What's up, everybody? In order to celebrate our 100th episode, we are having a beer release that we have collaborated with in making with Secret Shell Brewing Co. right here in Chico. They're at 132 Meyer Street, and on November 17th, we want you to come and hang out with us. That's right. Party kicks off at noon, where we will be releasing the beer that we collaborated. What's it called? It's called Fresh Hop Cine Haze. It's a hazy IPA. We really hope you enjoy it. And we're going to be serving it all day right at Secret Trail. Again, November 17th, starting at noon p.m. We hope you're there. We'd love to see you. Come party with us. Come celebrate our 100th episode. I can't wait. Until then, here's this episode. Enjoy. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello, hello, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. We are a Chico, California-based podcast about film and craft beer, and my name is Max Minardi. My name's Johnny Summers, and together we're your favorite podcast. I said my name's so weird. I was like, my name's Max Minardi. I know, you're like, Max. really, really excited about that. <laughs> Max Minardi. Um, if you've never heard our show before, we cover two craft beers and a film. Usually, all of those things are new. That is no different this week. We're covering some very new and exciting beers, at least to our area, and a new film uh, written and directed by Jonah Hill, who you will know from mostly acting, but this time directing. Exactly. Um, let's see. Housekeeping. As usual, we will not spoil uh, our movie. Uh, our movie's called Mid-90s. We're not going to spoil it till the end of our show. We'll give you plenty of a heads up. And uh, that's it, right? That's it. Great. Let's dive in. Let's rock and roll. Uh, first beer. Yes. Yep. I was gonna say, how do we usually start this? Yeah, I don't know. We usually, I think we <laughs> like kind of uh, truncated the uh, the first section instead of me laying out, and then at forty seven minutes we jump yeah. to our break. I'm just, I don't hey, man, care. don't use big words that I don't know around me. <laughs> That's rude. Uh, all right, so I picked out our beers this week. Um, this uh, let's see. So our first beer, I guess, I'll just jump right in, like you said. Yeah, I'm feeling a little unimportant lately, honestly. Oh yeah, because I'm picking picked, out the beers. I haven't picked out any beers, and usually that's like the only thing I actually do to help. Besides be awesome. Uh, that's the other part, I guess we should say. This week, I haven't seen the movie. Oh, so yeah. So you actually do, you're going to probably take charge in that. There regard. you go. I'm going to so. talk a lot about this movie. And for all of you yelling at Max right now, yes. you better be drinking a Four loco. Thank you for this. Um, we have modified that rule because usually we record on weeknights. Yeah. And we're trying to be sensible adults. And more often than not lately, it seems like a lot of uh, the movies, only one of us has a chance to it's, see. Yeah, it's been tricky since I got back from tour. Yeah, sometimes it gets wonky, life happens, and we figured, you know, every once in a while, that'll be okay. Yes. But for just better content, we've modified it. So Max had to drink uh, a, a like, sip of whiskey. Basically four ounces. You know, uh, whole, four ounces. <laughs> I'm trying to make you sound manly. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, seven ounces yeah. of whiskey. He basically pulled off of a bottle of whiskey Correct. until he started sweating and farted a little. Mm -hmm. And yeah. now we're here. Yeah. So, so we changed it to whiskey. Yeah. Again, if you're a new listener, that probably doesn't make sense. But a long time ago. Hey, if you're a new listener, a lot of this isn't going to make sense. Just buckle in. That's true. Yeah. But a long time ago, we had to drink a Four loco if we didn't see the movie. It yeah. was to keep each other accountable. Yeah. Uh, and now we're older and wiser. Well, and, and also, I mean, obviously it's not up to us to decide, but I think it adds a bit of a uh, interview style format when one of us hasn't seen it. There's yeah. a lot more exposition yeah. um, and question answer type stuff. So I think it's more interesting in a lot of ways. So we've given ourselves a pass because it's our show. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That and being said, yes. what is our first beer? So we're drinking uh, what is referred to as the Orange Can from Black Market Brewing out of Temecula, California. It's a double IPA that comes in at 8.4% with a 48 IBU rating. So right in the uh, not too bitter, not too sweet, ideally. Johnny's taking his first sip. 
Um, and this is a beer with some history that we're going to get into in just a little bit. But first of all, Johnny, what do you think of this beer? That's nice. Yeah. Uh, it's very like tangerine-esque. That's, I'm getting a lot of that. Cool. While you're tasting that, off their website, they say, our first New England-style double IPA release. That's what this is. It's just simply known as the orange can. They say the unique and beautiful body on this beer is achieved by adding just the right amount of oats during the brewing process. The additions of Cascade, Denali, and Mosaic hops give this beer not only huge pineapple and tropical fruit flavors, but also dank, resinous tones often found in many West Coast IPAs. I should also point out now that uh, this year is 2018, and at the Great American Beer Festival, this beer won for the category of Juicy or Hazy Double or Imperial IPAs. Oh, snap. Is that in uh, 2018? Yeah, 2018. Damn. So we're dealing with a, a real contender here. Um, a winner, not yeah, just a contender. Right, you're right. A contender for for our palates. I the suppose. reigning, defending, oh, boy. New England style double IPA <laughs> champion of yeah. the world. Yeah, you and UFC, man. This could be boxing. That's true. Could be Excuse wrestling. Me. Could be WWF. Uh, remind could... me to talk about boxing when we get into the history of this brewery. All I think right. it's this brewery, unless I'm tripping out. It definitely is. Well, this could be the the Brock Lesnar of beers. Sure, that's old school UFC. I think. Or is he still fighting? I don't know. He's more wrestling now. Yeah, he's yeah. gotten like the. WWE stuff, yeah, like fake wrestling, yeah, yeah. The performance. Hope we don't get an email for that. Like, it's oh, not I fake. Yes, it oh, is. Oh, I hope we get an email it is. for All that. Right. If you think wrestling's real, please email me. Yeah, I mean that's true. Yeah, email us at fhccast@gmail.com or yeah. tweet at us or Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. It's Fresh Hops Home. Okay, yeah. so you like this beer? Yeah, it's really nice. It it strikes that balance that you know I look for when it comes to these beers, as far as not being too sweet but uh, still having the the hops. I really like this one. It's it's different in that it's super, like, I get just a ton of tangerine. Okay. What are those little, uh, are they sweeties? Yeah, cuties. Or, cuties. Yeah, right. Yeah, it reminds me of eating one of those. They're, it's very citrusy, uh, but not being, like, super citrusy, or being super citrusy, right? not too sweet. You're saying what you look for in these these beers, which is, I think you mean New England IPAs? Yeah. Yeah, avoiding that kind of juice bomb uh, yeah, and getting a nice balanced beer. Yeah, and this one walks the line pretty close to being uh, pulpy. You know what yeah, I mean? It's, agreed. It's definitely real close. But I could see why it would be a strong contender and, in fact, champion of yeah. this style. It's really good. Yeah, it's. I'm obviously I'm coming off of a piece of gum, as uh, you know, but nobody else does. So I'm going to throw out that caveat real quick. So I'm I'm getting a lot of uh, mint. Yeah, just a lot of <laughs> spearmint or winter green. This, this really has an uh, essence of extra. Getting polar ice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but I am, I'm picking up more on kind of the mouthfeel, um, and the body of this beer more than the flavor, I think right now, but it feels very well balanced to me. Yeah. Um, and over the next few sips, I'm sure that'll kind of clear out the mint flavor and let the beer shine. Yeah. My thing is like, this beer is really good, but it tastes a lot like a lot of other beers. Yeah. Like this, this style is becoming standardized a bit to where like a really good representation of it is still just kind of run of the mill. Like, okay. Yeah. That's a juicy, hazy yeah. IPA. But I wonder if you could make the argument like you might for a Pilsner that a very good Pilsner uh, is not run of the mill, but it's um just a, a, a solidly made beer. Yeah. And, and it's almost the antithesis of the argument that I make against some like crazy stouts with like 17 adjuncts. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is a beer that knows what it is. It's trying to make it well. And I think it does. Yeah, that's almost an unfair comparison because because pilsners are so hard to make. True, these yeah. are by and large a lot easier to make. Yeah, I mean you got a little bit of wiggle room for um, you know mistakes. I you know they uh, can cover them up a little bit more with yeah. anything with lots of hops and and barley and, and malt. I should yeah. say not barley. Yeah, uh, it's going to be easier to mask stuff. Yeah, you know? sure. But I mean it's good. I, I don't know. 
how much better it is than the best right. hazy I've ever had, you know? Not to put you on the spot, but what are some of the best hazies you've had? To I mean, honestly, um, I really like, uh, there's a few from Treehouse. Mm-hmm. Bright is really amazing. Um, honestly, Digital Bath from Belgian Beaver good, is one of the best hazy beers I've ever had. Wow. Uh, that's that's up there in my top five. Also, there's been a few from Modern Times. Oh, they do good stuff. Yeah. Uh, like their double dry hopped Orderville is mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. You have to order it from the brewery, but it's really, really good. Um, you know, there's a few. And then like New Glory. Every once in a while. I think New Glory kills it. Yeah. They're some of like the best around. And then also Trillium. I've had sure. some Trillium beers that were just unbelievable. Yeah. If there's anybody listening, uh, I assume a lot of our listeners are more West Coast. So if you don't know Treehouse or Trillium, they're East Coast breweries. Yeah. Uh, that kind of, definitely Treehouse kind of uh, flagship to the, uh, the New England style IPA trend. Yeah. Because they're straight up in New England. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I don't know when that started. I'd like to look into that. But yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. So, I mean. It's it's definitely in the same like realm as all of those. I mean, it stacks up against your tree houses and your trilliums and as far as hazies go, just because I think the style, at least to my palate, has been pushed about as far as it can go. Sure. Like the best is the best and everything else is really close to it right mm-hmm. now. Like I think it's not a matter of these beers getting worse. It's a matter of the the level of competition rising to meet that demand. Yeah. And all these beers are just produced at a really high level. So yeah. so it's hard to get something that stands out because it's like you've hit the kind of ceiling of yeah. like, that's that's it. That's the you've done it. I think that might be my stance is that this style of beer is kind of plateaued. Yeah, I think it's tricky too because not tricky, but um it's when you get a bad version of this beer, oh it's, it's awful. It's very noticeable. Yeah. Um and, and I don't think it's super easy to mess up, but it's not, you know, like you can mess up this beer and still be a good brewery. I think, um, by this beer again, like a new England style IPA. Yeah. Um, cause I've had a few that were bummers. Um, and, uh, I just missed my mouth. Yeah, you did. Um, onto that lovely t-shirt. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man, I was really, really gigging on, um, gigging. Yeah. I don't know. I'm using that word. Now. I like it. Fall rivers, uh, lazy hazy for a long time. And uh, I think maybe I was just getting into the style, or maybe it was kind of new. This is a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and for a long time, I would I would say to people like that, this is as good as like a treehouse beer. And I don't think that's true anymore. But um, there's something to be said for me thinking that. Yeah, I think at the time, I think there's so many breweries that are cranking out beers that are in that conversation now. Yeah. That the elitism of having like one or two breweries that do this style the best and no one else compares is a thing of the past. Yeah. So I want to touch a little bit uh, on black market brewing. That's who makes this orange can beer. You going to touch on that? Have you, you, so have you had anything by them before? I don't believe I have the logo looks really, really familiar. Sure. I'd love to look at their lineup. I might have cause yeah, their, their logo is pretty cool. It's like a silhouette. It reminds me of the Marlboro man. Yeah. A little bit, huh? Yeah. But not off the top of my head. Tell, okay. Tell me more. Well, so I, I mostly just want to talk about how the name of this brewery came about. Um, I was reading an interview with this, uh, this kind of, it's a blog slash, you know, uh, I don't think it's a hard copy magazine, but it's called Food GPS. And they were interviewing the founder and owner of this brewery uh, named Andrew Marshall. And he said, as far as the name Black Market, it's twofold. First, that during Prohibition, Temecula, California was a wet town. I didn't know that about Temecula. Whoa, there were wet towns during Prohibition? Yeah, it's like kind of the, you know, the way of being like, hey, no, we have alcohol. So like, nah, dog, weed's legal here. Right. So you'd actually go downtown, which is what they call Old Town now. Um, And during Prohibition, there was a speakeasy. There was a boxing ring where they would have these... uh, 
just like super unlicensed fights. And then there was a brothel upstairs. So after the fight, you'd go and uh, get your rocks off, Bang so to speak. Yeah. Um, and it was basically a black market town during the time of Prohibition. Is this the coolest town ever? Right. I've never. Have you been to Temecula? I don't think I have. It's I have central been. southern, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Um, and then he says, secondly, uh, it's an homage to Blind Pig, which was a brewery before it was a beer. Uh, if you're not into the craft beer scene, you might not know that's a beer from Russian River Brewing. Um, but uh, Vinny, the owner, started a brewery for a few years. It was called Blind Pig Brewing. And no then he kidding. moved up to Santa Rosa, founded Russian River that everybody knows for the most part. Um, and I guess his first brewery was in Temecula from like 94, 1994 to like 96, 97. No kidding. Um, and and uh, Andrew Marshall, the, the founder of, of this brewery, says he wanted to make sure we were acknowledging the path that was cut for us. Acknowledging the path that made our path easier with our name, Black Market. Hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. I definitely um, like I think the story behind it. I like the idea of a brewery, regardless of their quality of beer, like being very humble about their origins, but also like you have an amazing beer here and you're still like, nope, this is these are people who came before us. We appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Yeah, that's cool. I like the story. And I also like that fact that I didn't know about Russian River. Yeah, right. That's pretty cool. At this point, too, we're in uh, we're in October of well, this will be November by the time this drops. Um, will it? Oh yeah. 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 Um, Russian River has their second uh, brewery open at this in point. Windsor, in Windsor, yeah, uh, which is not far from Santa Rosa, but there are rumors of them kind of upping production, obviously, and then yeah. distribution. Yeah, Windsor thereafter. was was built as as more of a large scale production facility. Yeah, okay. they've already cranked out like three times the amount of beer, and I'm hearing very very strong rumors uh, that are slowly. Uh, solidifying into truths yeah. that we will be seeing Russian River in distribution up here soon. Which it's, I mean, it's about time, man. That's yeah, I cool. mean, since like the early two, or two thousand, if not a little bit before, like they've been strictly no distribution. For well, that's not true, I suppose. They were up here in just small quantities. Yeah, uh, DBI Beverage had them, and they'd get like three cases of Pliny right. for like Sacramento North. You know, things like that, where like it was around, but a lot of people were not getting it. Right. So it was, I, you can't even really call that in distribution. That's like sprinkles. Yeah. The rumor that I heard, uh, I don't remember who I heard it from or how long ago, but what was that at one point, one of their reps came up to the Chico area and saw some bar serving Pliny, not at the ideal or like they saw like a keg, not tapped, like not refrigerated. Hmm. Like, all right, well, we're not going to have our product served wrong. So no more beer for you. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's aggressive. Um, but every now and again, like we'll still see kegs of Pliny, around town because people go and get it and that sort of thing, which is great, you know? Yeah, when it can get up here. Yeah, so as my mint gum is wearing off, I think this beer is fantastic. It's really good. It's, I would drink this all day. It's And we got it in a 12-ounce can, so we're splitting that. Um, and again, like, cans are the way of the craft beer future. I think there's zero sunlight exposure. Yeah. They keep fresher longer. It's great, man. I'm, I'm a big fan of this beer. Yep. And also, uh, we should we say this every now and again, where we get our beers, if you can find them in town. I got this at Spike's. Bottle shop right off, uh, right off the freeway on first. Did it was did like, both come from there? This they week? did. Yeah, cool. our, our beer later also was from there. Um, it was like three to maybe four dollars. I think it was three bucks. It was two ninety nine for the GABF gold medal win. Right, like that's nuts. You should go. I don't know how many they have, but pop into Spikes and see if you can find this beer. Uh, what what beer is this again? Just again, to clarify. Yes, this is from Black Market Brewing. It's called the Orange Can. It's their double IPA. Um, and I think we're at the point in the show where we should rate this. I'm going to give it a big thumbs up. It's really good. It definitely hits that balance. You know, it's, I can't say that it's outstanding because I haven't, I don't know, personal bias. Like 
I'm a little bit jaded to this style just because there's so many of them, but it is really good. And I can definitely see why it won. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it, oh, shoot, 8.5 jumps to mind. 8.5. Yeah. Good rating. It's yeah. really solid. It's not too sweet. It's I would honestly like it a bit hoppier. That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah, it said yeah. it was a double, and uh, I'm not really getting much bitterness. I still get a lot of the orange, juicy, mm-hmm. extra pulp type flavor. Uh, that would be my only critique. If it had a bit more hop presence and a bit more of like a bitter IPA finish, uh, it would have probably been in the nines for me. Although I think the counter argument there is like it's still an 8.4% beer. Like I'm not tasting that at all. No. Like this feels super light and drinkable. Could get you into trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you think that's good. Maybe you think it's bad. But it's a it's certainly a, a facet of this beer. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to actually give it a nine. Okay. Uh, As, I mean, that's a respectable Yeah, it's a, it's a really well-made beer. You don't just give out nines. I don't give either. out nines that often. No. Yeah. Um, you hold that back. Yeah, you got to save it for the ones that matter. Exactly. This is very good. I love everything about this beer. I love the history of the brewery. I love the presentation on the can. Um, maybe, well, I mean- we post collages every week of our episodes, so you'll see the can heart. But I don't know, man. This is very good. I, I would drink this again in a heartbeat if given the chance. So it's fair to ask. We usually grill each other once a beer gets up into the nines. I knew you were going to ask me. Why not a 10? I just, I mean, same thing you were saying. Like, I would love a little bit more of the hoppiness. Um, so you think if this had a bit more bite? Just a little more, yeah. And and again, it's like it's a New England IPA, so it's not supposed to be super hoppy and, yeah. and palate wrecking. But but they themselves claim that it's an homage to like the West Coast style. Sure. So yeah, I I could use a little bit more, um, and I don't think it would take away from the kind of well-rounded fruitiness that this beer already has. Yeah, I think I could use a little bit more, but also I'm just biased because I like regular IPAs. Yeah, sure. And I want my hazy IPA to taste a little bit more like a regular yeah. IPA. Well, maybe you'll be excited for our second beer of the of the day. You well, have to stay tuned there. to find yeah. that out. Though. So do you <laughs> stay uh, yeah. tuned? Uh, so let's put let's put the orange can from Black Market to bed. No, I'm not going to put it to bed. Put it to bed. Go to sleep, little no. little beer. You said we weren't going to say put it to bed anymore. No, well, yeah, that was like that was like six months ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to listen, man. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm an attentive co-host. Let's let's. I'm going to throw it on the ground. Sure, let's put it on the ground. I think there was still beer in there, but I drank the rest of it. Okay, good. Throw it on the ground. So moving forward. Was good. Hot and bothered. Hot and bothered. I have a very basic hot, so I'm going to go first. You basic. It's that I started with my fiance Gianna. We started American Horror Story, which is a TV show on Netflix that uh, previously I would never touch because I was very scared of it. Because mm. um, it's it's like a scary show. Yeah, you're not usually the horror aficionado. No. But I've been in a in a sort of a vein lately that I've been trying to seek out good horror stuff, and I know that's it's got like nine seasons or something. Yeah, my phone's been silent. Oh, yeah. See, I didn't want, I was going to wait to talk to you now. So here we are. Sure, excuses. Um, Whatever. So we're on season one. Yeah. Just finished episode eight of 12. And there's like seven or eight seasons. So the first season is the the house. Yeah, it's about the house. Yep. Um, So that's where we're at. It's not as scary as I expected. It's very creepy and unsettling. It's creepy, but it's very uh, cable broadcast. Yeah. I just, I said this to Gianna last night while we were watching, like, we watched. First time ever we watched more than one episode in the night. I think we watched three. Mm. Um, and I said to her, I said, like, I really appreciate the fact that they, they're they not kind of using um, overly excessive gore or sexuality to mm-hmm. kind of push their points, which is good. It's the same reason I loved Hereditary. Like, there's actual suspense. There's actual, and there's they're not always utilizing jump scares. It's, it's building actual tension between mm-hmm. these, like, kind of long four or five episode story arcs. Sure. You're a, you're back. a fan of like good, well-written psychological horror. I am. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. That's, that's like, we have very different tastes in horror, but I also yeah. fully agree. I yeah. love a well-written, well-acted, you know, if it's edited right and it's just oh. super creepy. Yeah. And then like the timing stuff or like the timeline stuff mm-hmm. in, in season one, at least it's very confusing. And if you don't watch it, if you don't keep track, like it's like, who, how do I know that one person mm-hmm. that should be from the 1920s that is alive? It's like, okay. Yeah. And then that's why it's nice to watch with Gianna. Cause she's like, oh no, that's the person from that one episode. Yeah whatever exactly yeah. so what do you think of the show so far i love it it's yeah. like one of the the most strenuous things in my life because gianna works uh, like 11 hour days mm-hmm. and i'm at home not working I'm like i could watch the show mm-hmm. and then i haven't I'm, i've been i've not done it so uh i love the show but it's okay. tricky not to keep watching it it is so hopefully i can watch more tonight we'll see yeah that's that's the struggle though do you like that show uh, i do i like um certain seasons of it though i've watched pretty much all of them there's definitely some seasons that were weaker Uh, season one probably still favorite or runner up Uh, really season two really stands out uh the asylum okay because that's one of my favorite horror uh models to work within is like a haunted asylum nothing more terrifying Mm -hmm. that's why uh, orphanage house on haunted hill the vincent price version plus the early 2000s version are two of my favorite horror films okay they both take place place in haunted asylums have you seen um oh maybe you can help me with this i don't know the name of this movie but it's a it's a film where these like i think it's like five kids go into an old asylum Mm -hmm. they have a video camera and then they get cursed and like can't Literally, they can't leave. Like they think they leave, but then they get in an elevator, and they're oops. The elevator doors close, and they open. They're back in the place. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it sounds really familiar. Man, I've for for a couple of years, I can't think of the name of that. Give me the thing. decade that movie came out. Oof, no idea. I th- that really? Yeah, okay. I think it's like a Netflix original or not original, but like straight to Netflix kind of mm. movie, like VHS. That would be a Netflix not original. Yeah. No, because like you can have movies that go straight to Netflix that are not produced by Netflix. Mm. Um, and I think it was one that was not made by them, but hmm. did go straight to Netflix. That sounds interesting. It sounds really familiar. If anybody thinks that, please let me know because it's been bothering me for 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 a long time. Okay, many many months. Yeah, I'll I'll do some digging too because I feel like I've seen that. There's like one specific uh, scene. Are we with, talking? Sorry. Well, where they like leave? They think they're leaving. They get out. They get to their hotel room finally, and the elevator closed, and they look at the maid like vacuuming, and she has like a crazy look, and then the doors open again. They're trapped again. Yeah, I can't think of what it's called. And what what age children? Are they're like they're like you know like eighteen. Okay, somewhere so there. late high school. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like one of those things, like crazy high school kids mm-hmm. on the on like prom night going to explore a haunted house. Yeah, that sort of thing. So, anyways, the point business. is, yeah, American Horror Story. I'm very into. Excellent. That's what's hot in my life. A little late to the party, but yes. I will allow it. Yeah, like like ten years. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, that's fine. Years. Yeah, you're not a horror guy, so no. it's it's. But increasingly, I am. It seems that's cool. So. I blame cool. you. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a, a wide world of horror out there. A lot yeah. of it is just gory and unnecessary. Uh, I was watching. What was I watching? It was um, like a documentary about horror. It was on Netflix. It was called um, The Haunters, I believe. Okay. It was oh. all. It was all about people that work at haunted, haunted houses. houses. Yeah. I just watched that the other night. Oh. oh. That's part of the thing I'm on. So there's that one. McKamey Manor. Don't talk to me about McKamey Manor. I hate those people. That dude's such a creep. He's such a creep. Like, I would not trust that dude. He's the grossest. Ugh. Yeah. All the bad. I'm glad you feel the same way. Yeah. No, that that dude in that place. Dude, ugh. But. I'm going to look that up just so I can tell people the right name. Yeah. It's McKamey or something like that. Manor. Uh, But this, this 
Netflix show. What was it called? That, the that's what I'm trying it to called find. The Haunters. It's like it's like it's like that. Haunters like, or haunting, haunting yeah, like or the something. art of the scare yeah. But it's something. all about people that work in haunted houses and that uh, build haunted houses in their yards and stuff. Uh, and there was uh, I want to bring it up because it's super relevant about like the gore and stuff in horror movies. Right? Do you remember that that part in there where we were talking about it and they were saying that um, the fad of like gore porn and just like ridiculously yeah, it's like easy. Gore, it's like an easy. It was out. directly linked to when those ISIS videos got leaked of people getting yep. tortured. Torture porn, dude. It's a fluff, like it, it's a snuff film. Sorry, it was born out of actual torture, which is really messed up when you think about it. Like the fact that that movie genre was spawned from ISIS videos. Then you yeah. had saw, then you had hostile and all mm. these, just the progression kept going. Like, yeah. And it's like more and more intense every time. Cause people are like, it's like the weird macabre side of people's like, we need to see more torture. Yeah. I don't know. And as a, a person that's been a fan of horror for most of my life, I don't really like that trend. I like some of those movies because some of them are actually kind of scary. Right. Uh, but I feel that um, movies that just rely on gore are cheap. And it's just, you know, it's the low hanging fruit of the horror world. It is. You know, just like humor. Yeah, right. And <laughs> There's low hanging yeah. fruit. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I like, I like different. I right. think I like more psychological where I don't mind the violence with the psychological. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the ones that just rely on gore are really a bummer. Yeah, the documentary we're referring to is called Haunters, The Art of the Scare. Great documentary, too. Great documentary. Um, and there's this guy, it's like it's him and his wife, and they own McCamey Manor. It's like this really famous, um, like push the limits of what we can do to you legally, haunted house. Yeah, like to the point of they're basically torturing you. Yeah, it's... it's. Uh, I'm talking like full-on physical contact, yeah. spitting in your face. Yeah, there's a scene in the documentary where he's like interviewing people to be his employees. He's like, all right, we're going to mess people up and at some point they might throw up. Are you willing to pick up their vomit and put it back in their mouth? It's like, uh, I'm torn because on one hand... I'm like, all right, I you know, if people want to do it, that that was them, I guess that but. was my whole thing because there was like a central argument to a lot of the the more traditional haunted house people with haunted houses like that because there's another one called Blackout, right? That pushes that the, was the OG one pushes the limits of like human experience, like they simulate like rape yeah. and kidnap. That's like their big thing is like they they also do like the sexual side of things, yeah, or like like putting guns to your head. That's yeah, in your mouth stuff uh, like that. Yeah. Where and they have a safe word. But like you can, they have a you, safe word. You That's can make important. it stop. Yes. You can make it stop, but they really push the boundaries of human experience and what you're willing to put yourself through. Uh, but the whole like crux of the argument against more traditional haunted houses and these, I forget there's a word for them. It's like uh, experiential or like s- something like that, right? Where they they get physical with you and you really put your body through something. Is that um, this McCamey Manor? There's no safe word. You like sign this big. Uh, liability agreement and then you're in there there's like it's not even like a start to finish you don't walk in the door and leave the exit they like keep you there until they i think he said the owner was like you're mine until i think you've like you're just emotionally and mentally broken yeah and like dude's got problems yeah and then like at one point he's he tricks his neighbor i guess into doing it a few times yeah and like basically she's like these are my fears promise me you're not gonna do he's like i promise i won't do it and then he does it, and the interviewer's like, why did you do it? And he's like, because I'll do anything to get the shot. And I couldn't help picturing, like, a skeevy, like, porn director. Like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to – I just need this. Like, just – No, that dude was super, so super, gross. super slimy. Like, yeah. he was my least favorite part because just watching him was unsettling. Yeah. And there's no safe word. You don't, you can't get out. Like, it's really borderline 
abuse. Yeah, like you see interviews of people like going through this. People sign up for it. I know. So like what I'm saying is like on one hand, sure. I guess if people want to do it, this is fine. People people can do what they want. On the other hand, like, no. Like we should as a society draw a line. You you don't we don't need it. Like don't I don't but I don't know. It's not our place to decide what other people need though. That's the thing. I know. And I I paused it and I because if we got to the point where it was the massive public outcry yeah. and all the Facebook pages saying that this place should be shut down. Right, McKinney Manor. It, yeah, and yeah. I just paused it and I looked at my wife and I said, you know, I'm just going to not go there and then probably never right. think about this place right. again. Because if people want to put themselves through that, they can. Yeah. I don't, so I'm not. And I don't need to like start a Facebook page because I'm offended by yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's just weird. It's weird that people want to go there and do that. Yeah, you have to think a lot of the Facebook pages were started by people that have never done it. Yeah, and are just like me. It's like you don't need that in society. Yeah, which again, like that is like just internet of offensiveness, which I, I think can be very valid. But also, if the, if there were, I mean, because there's people that come out of it and are destroyed. Yeah, I think those voices should be heard also, but. I mean, like you went into it. You went into it, and the thing is, everything that he does is put on YouTube. Yeah. So you know what yeah. you're getting into. Right. Like you fully, fully know. There's those dudes that go in that are dressed as like Mario and Luigi. Yeah. And they, you get as as viewers of this documentary, you see what they go through more than I think anybody. Yeah. And then by the end, they've kind of switched. Like, oh man, like that was horrible. I can't. I would. I'd love to work here. I want to do that to other people. Yeah. And it's like ah, that's, that's so dark. That's gross, man. That's I don't, that's ugh. really dark. Yeah. Like, this is good for Halloween. This is yeah. a good talk to well, have. Well, this is going to come out after Halloween. Well, same, you know, yeah. it's in the same ballpark. Yeah. yeah. Time of year. How did we get on that? I don't know. Oh, Netflix and sure. documentaries and horror. Really? Yeah. I brought that up to tell that story about ISIS. Right. So, yeah, fun times. Yeah. Do you want to branch any more into Hot and Bother or do you want to break it? Uh, You know, that's one of the things that I've watched lately that I was pretty hot about. So since yeah. it came up organically, I'm calling that my hot. And if you want to hear more about my other hot, you have to sign up for Patreon. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into that probably later. Yeah, because I have some hot stuff that I'm going to get hot about in Patreon bonus content. But you can't hear that unless you're a member. So then uh, moving forward, we're going to jump to a break. And we are going to talk about Mid-90s, the newest film uh, and only film, actually, by Jonah Hill. We're not going to spoil anything. Uh, So please stick around. Guys, it's Monday. You've had a long week. What you need to do right now is go down to Secret Trail. They open at 3, they close at 9, and every Monday they have this very special thing that Johnny's going to tell you about. That's right. It's the Explorer Series, a crazy one-off beer that they might never have on draft again. So you better get down there and try it before it's gone. Again, it's an amazing deal. Once every Monday they have this crazy beer, go check them out. Secret Trail Brewing Co. right here in Chico at 132 Meyer Street, or find them on all the social medias at Secret Trail Brew Co. Live and drink off the beaten path, everybody. All right, guys, just before we get to this trailer, uh, there is some, that's a PSA. Before we get to this trailer, there's some adult language. By some, I mean a lot. Uh, there's a lot of uh, vulgarity in this movie. So just a heads up moving forward. If you're sensitive to that sort of language, maybe skip forward. Or, you know, maybe this isn't for you. Pretty you, much the rest of the episode yeah. is going to have language in it. Yeah, there was a, a – here's your warning. That was it. There's a character named Fuck Shit in this movie. Just a heads up. It happens. It's his name. Here's the trailer for mid-'90s.
So that was the trailer for Mid-90s, a film written and directed by Jonah Hill. In 1990s, Los Angeles 13-year-old Stevie escapes his turbulent home life by hanging out with a new group of friends he meets at a local skate shop, plunging him into a world of fun, danger, and excitement. This movie came out on October 19th, 2018. Uh, as of the 29th, it's made $3.6 million, distributed by one of our favorites here on Fresh Shop Cinema, A24. It runs just an hour and 24 minutes. It's rated R from some, for some sexual encounters, some language, uh, some drug and alcohol use, all involving minors. Uh, it stars... Uh, Sonny Suljic as Stevie, you may remember him from a film called, I don't know if you saw this actually, Johnny, um, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Nope. He played a, a son of the uh, the main dad in that movie. Okay. Uh, Catherine Watterson plays uh, Stevie's mother, Dabney. Lucas Hedges plays his brother, Ian. And there's a whole cast of friends in this skateboarding clan that we'll probably get into later on as we discuss this film. Once again, um, we're not going to spoil anything from this movie. I personally cannot because I have not seen it like we mentioned earlier, but Johnny has. So he's going to walk you through this. I want to say before we get into it, there was a statement from Jonah Hill uh, basically surmising this film is it's about growing up. It's about youth and about a time in your life when your friends are more important than your family, when it's you and your friends versus the world. And that seems to really connect with people. So Johnny, I must ask, did this film connect with you? And did you enjoy it, whether or not it connected? Yes, on both fronts. It did. It connected in a very serious way. Um, personal bias, uh, have to say, up front. I was that little skater kid sure. that was running around. Uh, I actually had some of the same shirts that they wore in this movie. So this movie hit me and the Ninja Turtle pillowcase. No idea. Yep. There was a Ninja Turtle pillowcase that the main character had in his room. Just oh, a but I, I know the one you're just talking about. Just a minor sure. detail, sure. but like I had the same one. So yeah, I grew up in this this era and uh, I've I had kind of the same hobby. So I was immediately drawn to this movie. Um but in fairness, the hobby uh, of skateboarding is not the focus of this film. Okay. It's much more a, a coming of age and not so much coming of age, but more finding your tribe and feeling not alone for the first time in your life where friends, like Jonah Hill said, are more important than family. And uh, it really encapsulate, encapsulated that in a very, very nice way. So I was reading an, uh, an, an article on The Guardian, which is another online uh, news source, please. Yes, good. Uh, it was written by Jordan Hoffman in, in, in that vein of kind of a coming-of-age tale. What he said is, snappy direction and a heady sense of nostalgia can't hide a frustratingly flat coming-of-age tale that shows an actor struggling to find anything of interest to say. And I, and I think the, well, a lot of what I've read is that this movie is very, um, A, beautiful and nostalgic, um, but ultimately sort of inconsequential in terms of uh, development of characters um, or maybe a, um, emotionally satisfying plot. Did you get that at all? Not really. No, I didn't. Um, I think I could see where that article's coming from in regards to the main character just not having anything interesting to say. When you're 12 or 13, right. and excuse me, you just made a brand new group of friends that you're trying to absorb like a new hobby, like skateboarding. And you don't know anything about their universe and you're just trying to fit in. Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. And our main character, Stevie, um, really employs that tactic just out of sheer terror. Sure. Um, he's terrified to be around these people. Like you don't see him having a lot of friends to begin with. So most of the time he doesn't have a lot to say because he's afraid of saying the wrong thing. And one of the characters in this movie was his initial kind of guide into this inner circle. Uh, and they eventually have a falling out and he endears more, the main character endears more to another person in this group. 
Um, but that initial kind of guide into this universe really is overly critical of everything he says. And basically like, you know, don't say that that's gay. That's oh, like yeah, it's sure. mid nineties. They throw around a lot of stuff. That's not appropriate to say now, but it's a lot of it was like, yeah, you shouldn't say thank you. People think you're weak. Like, right. And then later one of the other people in the group is like, that's just manners, <laughs> you right. know? So I think that that criticism is um, kind of criticizing one of the main character uh, attributes of, of our main character. So I, I think that's an interesting take on like not being satisfied with his character. Right. So this is a, like we said, a film released by a 24, yeah. which we've done a bunch of movies in the past. And a lot of them tend to be more character studies yes. than your traditional blockbuster might uh, offer you. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that this movie is in that vein? And if so, is the character we are studying, in fact, Stevie, the young boy, or is, is it maybe more not, a, not about him specifically, but maybe about his, his journey kind of finding his way. So this, this story is about pretty much three people, in my opinion, uh, Stevie, his brother and uh, Ray. Okay. The, the other one of like the, the kind of the leader, oldest, most responsible character in the, the skateboarding group. Ray is played by an actor named Ian Nikel Smith. I'm sorry. Ian is not what his first name is. That's part of my typo. His name is Nikel Smith. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's Ray. So I think, uh, I mean, a 24 is known for that snapshot of a character or, you know, like a time period of someone's life, a very, very focused film. They're very, very, character centric and uh, not very broad stories. Generally speaking, Uh, I feel like this movie was a story of, you know, maybe a six month to year time period about, you know, Stevie, our main character, his brother, his mom kind of in the picture in and out, just like your mom is when you're a teenage boy running around doing teenage boy stuff. And uh, this group of mainly like four people that he has become friends with that are skaters is a very small cast in in its right. own way. This movie was about all of them, but mainly mainly those three: Stevie, gotcha. his brother, and and Ray. Right. It, it just based on what I've read and kind of what you're describing, it reminds me of a film called The Florida Project, also distributed by A24, directed and written by Sean Baker. Uh, it came out, I think, 2017. Willem Dafoe's in it, and there are some other characters or some other actors. And I'm meaning to meaning to watch that. It's it's very good, and it and it's sort of this um, as as you might say, a slow burn character study of of a couple people, or in this case, an ideal of like what it means to be growing up poor in an area that doesn't usually get a lot of spotlight from from everyday Americans or or people in the world in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to read another quote here that was sort of a dissenting opinion on this movie. It was by uh, Bilge Abiri from Vulture magazine. And he says, uh, modesty can be a virtue in coming of age tales. The temptation to lean towards melodrama or to a more strident brand of nostalgia can be overwhelming. But the shapeless, uneventful nature of mid-90s often flirts with tedium. We wonder why exactly we're watching these people. Hmm. Uh, That it comes out a year where we've already had Skate Kitchen and Minding the Gap, two other skating films. uh, Two excellent, complex films about skate culture certainly doesn't work in its favor. It's a hangout movie, but we're never entirely sure why we're hanging out with any of these people. Um, so I guess, I guess what I'm wondering is, is did you find any of these characters particularly compelling to be worth your, you know, 84 minutes of your life to really want to explore them deeper? Definitely. There was, uh, just set the overarching plot really. It's Stevie, who's the younger brother. He's got an older brother who, um, is very abusive to him. Right. If I'm not mistaken, the movie starts out with a pretty intense beating. Yeah. And his mom, single mom, mm-hmm. dad's not around, uh, Throughout the movie, men start coming and going from their house, which is kind of a rough home life. Um, 
And like you see Stevie wanting to belong. Like he mm-hmm. definitely doesn't have any friends. Um, so he's kind of just searching for his identity, how, you know, how to get by, who to latch on to, things like that. But uh, it was actually kind of heartbreaking. Um, his brother's super abusive to him and it seems like they don't have the best relationship. But in one scene, as soon as his brother leaves the house, he runs in his room and just like wants, like he, you can tell he looks up to him. Like he idolizes him. Like he goes in there and sits down with a, a Walkman and pops in every CD that he hasn't listened to. Right. And he's listening to all of his music. Yeah. And like picking up his shoes and looking at him. So like he's got this strained relationship with his brother who's like the only male role model that he has in his life. And it's just kind of awful to him. And this is Ian, uh, his older brother played yeah. by Lucas Hedges. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's so interesting. Lucas Hedges is great in so many things, and I was I was curious to see him in this, and I'm I'm still I'm going to see this movie. I've been yeah. excited for this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was in Lady Bird. He played um, he played a character in there. He's coming out in a movie. Uh, there's a pun in there because it's Boy Erased. Uh, it's a film about uh, a, a kid growing up in the South um, who, who's gay and and has to kind of deal with that in, in a pretty evangelical conservative family. I read the book. Very excited for that movie. Uh, you should Google both their names. I'm pretty sure he's coming out in a movie with Julia Roberts as well. Oh, really? Uh, his, his face looks so familiar. I'm like 90% sure it was him. Okay. Um, but I'm pretty sure he's coming out with a movie with her in it. Yeah. What I was going to get at is that um, like there's an idea throughout this film from what I can tell that there's uh, like, like he, um, Stevie deals with this kind of abuse at home from his brother and it almost kind of toughens him up to deal with the, the friend group he gets into. Yeah. Uh, there's a point in one of the trailers where, uh, I believe it's his friend Ray that says, you know, you don't have to like, you don't have to like get hit so hard or he something said, you like that. You take the hardest hits, yeah. like harder hits than anyone I've ever seen. Right. And like, you and don't have like, to you do know, that. you don't have to do that. But then for him, for Stevie, it's just like, that's always what he's done. And it's mm-hmm. like taken this, this, this weakness of like always being picked on by his brother and presumably other people and kind of turned it into a strength. Yeah. I'm like being able to go out there and skate and, and just try stuff that other people won't try. Yeah. I feel like, um, people that are kind of critical of like the plot of this movie didn't really grasp, um, like the interpersonal, uh, struggles that were happening in this movie and, like when you're that age, how hard it is to talk about anything that's bothering you sure. and like just, you know, the pent up aggression and what it's like to be a man and becoming a man. And I don't know, it was, um, it was a fascinating movie. Like I'm really, really happy I watched it. And, uh, I, it kind of surprises me that people would be critical of it in that way, because I thought that the dynamics of the people in this movie, the way they interacted, the way their relationships progressed was incredibly gratifying. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think it's it speaks a lot to the idea of masculinity masculinity, like we were saying in the beginning. Like, um, even though it is in the nineties and vernacular was different, um, this idea of like being in a group with your boys and be like, Oh, don't say that, you're gonna seem gay, like mm-hmm. um or or like being able to take a hit uh says a lot about the culture at the time, like what it what it means to be a man and 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 if you don't do certain things, you're not going to be that way. And um I wonder how much of that plays into the idea of like him not having a father figure and yeah. sort of an absentee mother in a lot of ways. And yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. And so the way the movie kind of progresses, uh, I'll take you to like the middle. I mean, there's, sure. we'll get into spoilers in the danger zone. There's really not a great deal to spoil. Like you kind of get the idea of this movie. Um, but yeah, middle of the road is like, you know, Stevie's trying to find where he belongs and he sees all these kids skating uh, and he trades his brother a bunch of like Super Nintendo games for his old skateboard from the right. 80s. Uh, and he just 
shows up to the skate shop where they all hang out and he just sits down. Yeah. <laughs> like he just sits on his board and like right. watches them skate. And he's like, I'm here now. Like doesn't talk to anyone, like goes and gets some water, just like tries to fit in any way he can. Yeah. And um, their relationship with the group kind of progresses and he kind of gets taken in and uh, right. eventually is kind of one of them. And they get into some interesting situations that kind of lead towards the, uh, the end and the the end of this movie, but I wouldn't say it was like a an end of the plot. It was just kind of what was happening towards the end of this movie, like an A twenty four kind of closing. Yeah, I think um, the third act was the emphasis was more on their friendship uh, and its nature. Uh, uh, Whose who, friendship? Uh, Steven Stevian. and and all the, the, the skater the, kids. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it was uh, it was a look at kind of not just poverty, but like having a terrible home life. Like all these kids came from really rough situations. One kid's parents beat him. The other kid, like the one that films him all the time, they call him fourth grade because he's an idiot. So he's he's basically his brains in fourth grade. Uh, He's filming them all and he wants to be a filmmaker. And um, at one point, Stevie, I'm gonna mm-hmm. call him Sunburn because they, they sure. I don't know. Yeah, them. you should say they all have a nickname. They all have, have cool have nicknames, like, nicknames like yeah. fuck shit. Right. Was one of them. Right. And he's kind of the the stereotypical partier of the mm-hmm. group. Like he's just a burnout kind of. How so how so what's like the age range? So you have you have Stevie who's basically like, like, like high school freshman to like junior high to like high school seniors. Okay. Like uh uh fuck shit and Ray are like 17, mm-hmm. about to graduate. The other guys are like freshman, sophomore, somewhere in there. And then from the look of it, Stevie's like seventh, eighth grade. Like he's a little dude. I think I was reading he's 13, but obviously like very, yeah. very little. For very little dude. And he's hanging out with like high school seniors and like going to right. parties with them. Um, yeah, it was a really interesting take on just how young men from rough backgrounds find each other and find solace in the comfort that like everyone's, uh, everyone's life's kind of messed up, right. but like we all have each other. Like know? a lot lost boys mentality from like Peter. Pan yeah. Kind of thing. Or just anyone that's had a tough upbringing that like finds a friend, right. you know, is like you're, it's like anyone that's marginalized. You have uh, a group mentality that makes you feel more at home. So this really is the story of, of Stevie finding that and finding somewhere he fits in. I thought it was, a really well done movie. I was really impressed with with Jonah Hill and um, the length of it was perfect. Okay, good. I was really happy with how long it was. Uh, it was, like you said, really pretty to look at. Yeah. I was really impressed with the visuals. Uh, I will comment uh, the sound, the, the score and all the music that was put together was amazing. It was actually scored by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, the two active members of Nine Inch Nails. Uh, I was re- listening to an interview with Jonah Hill. He was on, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Howard Stern. And he was saying that um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did this all basically for free. Uh, they screened the movie for him. And Jonah Hill was really inspired by the score of The Social Network, mm, which was one of uh, Trent Reznor's works. Is he, that right? Yeah. Trent Reznor does a lot of scoring for movies. He's actually a really, really talented um, writer in that way. I don't know. What would you call that when you score movies? Yeah, a composer. A composer. Thank you. Um, But he was saying, Jonah Hill was saying that that was the last score that he really, really enjoyed just because it conveyed such coldness and disconnect. And he wanted Trent Reznor to captivate the feeling of like warmth. 
Right. So he was like, wonder what he would do with that. Anyway, they reached out through agents and stuff and uh, ended up, they did the whole thing. And they did a lot of it, uh, Atticus and Trent Reznor, while they were on tour. Oh, wow. So like some of the recordings had like background noise because mm-hmm. they were like recording outside of their or, tour yeah, bus whatever. in London. Um, but it was really neat hearing the the dynamic between Trent Reznor and Jonah Hill. Like Jonah Hill actually had to give him notes, like make him change stuff. Sure. And um, it was nice to see that Jonah Hill was confident enough to take charge of that and be like, make sure that his vision was fulfilled. Right. The, the last thing I wanted, personally want to touch on is it. So we're talking about score. Um, and then I also wanted to bring up soundtrack because this is a pretty heavily hip hop influenced soundtrack. Yeah? A lot of hip hop, but also a lot of oddball songs on gotcha. the soundtrack. But yeah. Definitely hip hop forward. Yeah, I wonder to what degree, um, if any, uh, the Nine Inch Nails folks had on the sound, the song choice for those. I I doubt any, um, but if so, I'd be curious to know. I was looking up a little bit of stuff here, and I wanted to kind of jump back to that closing sequence. I know it's sort of a uh, like a home skateboard video style thing, mm-hmm. um, and that final piece is called "Further Along," and that was that was written by Trent Reznor. Uh, and Atticus, he said, mm-hmm. his last name. Um, Atticus Ross. How did how did the final sequence work for you? Because it seemed to me, based on what I read, it was a very, um, you know, an, an iconic kind of closing to this film. Did it work? I did. I liked it. It was very, it was a nice end piece. Yeah. Yeah, it really captured um, the essence of their friendship and the camaraderie that they had. I really, I did like the end. My other question is, how did you, how did you feel leaving this film? What was your overall mood? Happy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was an uplifting film for me. Good. It really encapsulated what it feels like to find a group of friends for the first time. All I right. think everybody has that memory. So whether you're male, female, you know, skater or not, everyone can remember when they finally found that group of friends that they fit into. Yeah. You know, some of us are still friends with those people now in our adult lives. And I think if you ever had that moment, this movie will strike a chord with you. Fair enough. Uh, once again, we've been talking about mid nineties, Jonas Hill, Jonah, Jonas, Jonas, Jonas Hill's Lacent. No, uh, Jonah Hill's most recent and only film that he has directed and written. Uh, we're going to jump to a break and we are going to spoil some things from this movie right after we talk about our second and final beer of the episode. So please stick around. But first we have to rate it because Damn that's it. what we do at the end of our second I'm, segment. How do I, I've missed that like more than twice. I know. It's pretty funny. Uh, it's, it seems like it's always on movies that I haven't seen. That's why you're like, so, I'm not going to rate yeah, it. I haven't we're seen already, it. We're moving on. Uh, I'm going to rate it first because I've seen it. And then Max is going to give a tentative rating. Mm -hmm. And then he will probably revisit that in a later episode. Oh, I will. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give this uh, an 8.9. Okay. I'm a huge fan of this movie. Um, I don't know why it shouldn't be rated higher. Yeah. I mean, if you're an 8.9, I got to ask you why it's not a 9. I think it should just be a 9. A 9. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 9. It doesn't hit 10s because it wasn't perfect and like I think they might have been able to go deeper in the exposition of characters and character sure. development. I think they didn't intentionally, and I appreciated their not having a heavy hand with character development because you're looking at such a short time period in people's lives. You're not going to develop your whole character in six months or a year when you just meet people. So I feel like it was appropriate. Um, maybe my only complaint was I would like to see maybe the next year of these people's lives. Oh, yeah. Does this movie uh, warrant a sequel? That's kind of a weird idea for sort of what sounds like an artsy sort of film, but could there be a sequel to this and do you think it could be successful in terms of developing these characters more? I would like it. Hmm. I would definitely enjoy seeing where Stevie's at in like high school. Yeah? Yeah, I do. I think it'd be cool. All right. 
So a flat nine for you. Yep. Uh, normally, um, I would try to rate this, but the amount that I've read about this movie today and what you've given me, I don't want to throw a number out. Yeah. I'd like to see it first. Um, and I'll make a point to see it the next week or two, and I'll, I'll report back as long All as right. we remember to do that. But I, I'm, I'm good with that. If you're okay with that, I'm going to stick to that. Well, I guess. Okay. You want to take us to break? <laughs> yeah. We will be back with spoilers and our second beer after this, so stick around. You there, listening to my voice in your ears. If you're in the mood for a delicious meal or an ice-cold draft beer, you should check out The Handlebar right here in Chico, California. They've got an awesome menu of delicious food, German-inspired pub fare, and an amazing draft board full of rotating beers with an awesome happy hour, seven days a week from two to six. That's right. And during those seven days from two to six, you get a dollar off all of those draft beers. So go check out The Handlebar right here in Chico, located at 27 East 20th Street. Again, that is The Handlebar right here in Chico. 2070 East 20th Street. They're a fantastic local business that supports this podcast. So go check them out. I didn't know what it ended. Okay. Welcome to the Danger Zone, everybody. Uh, this is a part of the show where we spoil our film and we uh, usually lift all bands on swearing and, and anything fucking else. Twizzlers. But we, uh, we did that earlier because of the trailer. So we're mostly just going to get into our second beer. Um, and yeah, maybe we should talk about these. I, yeah, Max, I came over, mm -hmm. uh, my co-host sure. is, um, like me, okay. a grown child okay. yeah, deal. who uses the internet for awesome, awesome stuff. Can I just say, I didn't re like, I knew, like I'd read at some point, like you can order food on Amazon, but it never mm -hmm. occurred to me to do it. Word. And the other day I was like, I could do this. Yeah. Like I should. Like, uh, did you know you can order like four pounds of just the marshmallows from Lucky Charms? No, of course not. But I did order Lucky Charms cereal bars, which is not the mm. same. But it's like a super unhealthy snack for cycling. Yeah. yeah. But that's not what we are dealing with. No. So I came over and he's got like the, oh, I don't know, tub. milk gallon jug yeah. size tub of 105 individually wrapped Twizzler straws in, what would you say? Twelve different colors. Yeah, there's like six. No, but there's, there's six. like green and yellow. So we got and strawberry, red. your regular colors. Orange, lemonade, watermelon, blue raspberry, and grape. Yeah, I got these, um, and we were eating a few on the break. They're not sour uh, enough. No, they're not. They're not supposed to be sour though. Like we tried to use them for the straw portion of these is not. It's not like wide enough. They you make shit beer straws. Yeah, you can't drink anything. So we tried to drink our beers. It, it didn't turns work. it directly into foam. Uh, then your belly. Yeah, like, yeah. All this to say, uh, not the point of of the danger zone, but. I That's think Twizzlers really are the point of the danger zone. Sure. At the end of the day, <laughs> the bottom line is is uh, if you can eat Twizzlers while you're recording a podcast. The point is I got 105 Twizzlers for like like eight bucks. I don't know. And they come in this cool tub that I'll probably reuse. So It's a nice reusable tub. Yeah. Uh, and also it's really cool ordering food online. Yes. I got some other stuff also, uh, including... Ah! Oh, you're spilling beer. Here we go. Mother of God. <laughs> including um, a, a drain... Plug for like catching hair mm. in the in the bathroom. I got one of those um, because I recently uh, took like uh, like needle nose pliers and pulled hair out oh, of the drain, that's which is a harrowing experience. Harrowing, harrowing. Thank oh. you, thank you for catching that. Um, that doesn't smell good either. It does doesn't it? Smell great. It smells bad. So I said, enough is enough. I bet you there's a device for this. Sure enough, there was for like. Uh, well, here's the thing: the gray one costs like. 
you know, eight bucks. You can't just have the, the great bright one. orange one cost like 11. 100%. So orange. I bought that. So that came with my Twizzlers and my Doritos and my sea salt and vinegar chips and uh, my Sprite. I got like a 12 bag of Sprite. I don't know. I had fun with it. So with the exception of the not sour Twizzlers, yeah. um, we have like the exact same preferences in snacks. Yeah. I love salt and vinegar chips. They're great. I love the chili, sweet chili Doritos. I just learned about those. On we Twitter. had them. Remember? It was at my party, at the party. Oh, I learned about them from you. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm going to give myself the credit sure. where credit is due. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, those are the best ones. And like, I think we're just snack mates. They don't, they don't top um, Salsa Verde for me, but they they're They do close. when I'm not in the mood for spicy. Sure. That's fair. Like, I like to pair chips with food. And mm-hmm. like those are great with certain things where like just like the any other chip, you know, right. they have their moment. Yeah. Fair Just enough. like any beer. All that to say, none of these snacks pair well with his beer. Hey, I would imagine. Hey, hey. You like that transition? Hey. Yeah. I bet you we could pair something delicious. Well, that's true. Not these Twizzlers. Would you like to know what this beer is? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I suppose I would, my well, friend. I am going to tell you and our listeners at home. Go ahead. Hey, dear enjoyer. That's you. That's me. You should enjoy this now. Mind the puddle. He's reading the can at this point, everybody. Dear Enjoyer, (laughs) two by four has a stupid amount of hops layered on a light malt base that gives way to notes of pine, citrus, and tropical fruit. While there are many great beer styles from the past, think of this as a beer from the future. Don't hate party. Hashtag two by four. This is the best damn double IPA in the world. So if you were even considering sulking today, think again. Our two by four double IPA is the gold winner of numerous noteworthy awards, including the Alpha King Championship. Two years in a row and counting. You'd be crazy not to drink this. So close your eyes, open up, and experience the mad floral, citrusy, and clean taste of hop talent. If you don't love it, n- no, you will. Those are quotes from both the can and the website of Melvin. Melvin Brewing. We're talking about their 2x4 double IPA. It's an imperial IPA coming in at 10% with 100 plus IBUs. Shit's about to get crunk. It's about to get kind of nuts. Um, up to this point in my life, I've never had anything from Melvin before. Um, Johnny, you may have. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but I don't want to get into that yet because I want to know what your initial takeaway is from your first taste. You rocked back in your chair. Oh. And I think the listeners deserve to know. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is a silky smooth, refreshing hot bomb. That is amazing. Yep. I really like that beer. Okay. Uh, what are you getting? Are you getting the floral citrusy and just clean overall taste? You know, I get a ton of uh, Twizzler. Mm. A ton, man. Yeah, they used it in the mash bill. <laughs> no. Oh, hello. No. I just drank it as well. Yeah, no. This it, you, it has that effect. You're like, woo. Yeah, there's a lot there. But then it dissipates. It doesn't leave you with that annoying bitterness that makes you want to scratch your tongue off with a razor blade. Yeah. No, this is nice. It's super piney. Yeah. Uh, super, super piney. Very dank and West Coast weederific. Yes. That's my new beer descriptor. That's a great one. For IPAs. Yeah, super resinous. Um, pretty fresh, but definitely very strong in the malt category. Definitely malty. Um, I really like how little that it lingers with the bitterness. Like it's a punch in the face of bitterness, and then it, yeah. it levels off very, very quickly. Yeah, it's tricky to do a a ten percent IPA without making it cloying and malty and and overly sweet. Yeah, um, which is what cloying means. Um, but I I like this. I want to give a little bit of background on this brewery, if, do it. if I may. Uh, Melvin is actually uh, this is what they said on their website. It's born in the back of a Thai restaurant in two thousand and nine in Jackson, Wyoming, and they started out with a twenty gallon brew system, which is incredibly small. And they quickly grew into a three-barrel system, still very small. 
Um, but not tiny. Like you have enough to distribute a little bit. Do you know how many gallons are in a barrel? Uh, no, I don't. 33. Oh, okay. So it's still not huge. Wait, a half barrels, 15 and a half. So it'd be 31. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so then apparently after winning small brew pub of the year at the great American uh, beer festival in 2015, the owner, Jeremy Tofty opened a 30 barrel production facility, 45 minutes away from Jackson in Alpine, Wyoming. It's a town with a population of 750 people at the time. And then two years later, they went on to win Brewing Group of the Year at Great American Beer Festival of 2017. So just last year. So can can I give a shout out real quick? Of course, man. Ryan McGivory and sure. 5050 won Brewing Group of the Year this year. Is that true? Because he's a total badass. Oh, nice, dude. Doing some badass stuff. I would have thought that they would have been on the map um, for Eclipse like for quite a while at well, this point. They have been in the past, but they, they were acknowledged as just being exemplary this year. Gotcha. So it's not to say they've never won anything at GABF. It's just right. they were acknowledged with some uh, extraordinary beer output for this year. Nice. I uh, I don't think I'm super familiar with a lot of um, 5050s beers outside of Eclipse. We should take a day trip there. I've gone once. I was coming, I think I was going to or from Reno. Mm. Um, I don't remember being wildly impressed, um, but Solid. I had a couple that were decent. Yeah. yeah. And, and then obviously the Eclipse series is Fantastic. Yeah, that's their moneymaker. The vanilla reigning supreme, mm. obviously. I've me. got a coconut, uh, a java, I nice. believe, and uh, a peach brandy one coming. Ooh. So that could either be amazing or disgusting. Yeah. Let me know. I, I'm, I'm, well, we'll probably well, let me try it together. Yeah, right. So, yeah, but that's cool to know about Melvin. Yeah. And they were not on my radar at all. I think I can't probably name any other breweries out of Wyoming. So this is exciting. Yeah. I was just in Wyoming. Uh, we passed through it uh, on the way back from my tour. So, this is great. I really like this beer. Okay. It really strikes a nice balance between the hops and the malt. Okay. I feel like this is, we could brand this episode as like our, our final like IPA head to head before winter. Cause these are like, we're dealing with two Imperial IPAs. Mm-hmm. It's getting cold out. We needn't, but we could. Yeah. Maybe it's uh, cold outside. We have to drink yeah. stouts all year. Right. Yeah. We're uh, going to drink stouts and IPAs all year. Yeah. So also, this is good. TV is that song? Oh yeah. It's incredibly, uh, it's roofy-ish. Oh, it's a yeah. very roofy-ish sort of Christmas song. But, you know. Like, you read the lyrics, you're like, wow, we mm-hmm. celebrate this at, at Christmas yeah. for our Yuletide gatherings. Yes, 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 yes. Anyways. In any case, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so tell me more about your experience with this beer just now, if you don't mind. It's super refreshing. Like, it's exactly what I wanted in my mouth and on my palate right now. Like, it's it's kind of mouth-watering. It's got mm-hmm. a nice quenching quality to it which is strange for a nine percent ten percent double ipa yeah um overall it's super clean it finishes clean it's definitely it tastes thin almost watery like i get like a really like drinkable thin body on this yeah thin in relation to what you were expecting right like if if you had said this was like a six or if it had told you this was a six percent this would feel about right yeah it doesn't it's not thin uh objectively but in the in the uh you know relativity of a 10% beer. Oh yeah. It feels uh, very light when you drink it. It feels more like a, like a single IPA. Yeah. Yeah. You've had, um, the, the ones that come to mind are like knee deeps, like, like Simtra, which mm-hmm. is like a 13.4% IPA, yeah. I think. Um, or like, uh, hop trio is what it's called. Not hopperillo. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are hopperillo. great, but those are examples of beers that are big, that feel and taste big. Mm-hmm. This is a big beer that uh, drinks pretty lightly. No, this is this is delicious. The only the only tell that I'm picking up is like the lack of intense carbonation. I think with a with a single IPA, you get a little bit more effervescence on it. Yeah, and this is a little bit heavier in that regard. It definitely is smoothed out quite a bit. Yeah, 
But I, I dig it as well, man. I think um, there's a lot of freshness here. I didn't even think to look for a canning date on this. And I think I see one. September but, 12th. Yeah, September 12th, uh, which for us is what, a month and a half? Yeah. Give or take. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good freshness, man. Pretty damn fresh. Definitely the best beer coming out of Wyoming. Wyoming yeah. Unless- so I think their their main brewery is in, is in Alpine at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so great. Yeah. You know? No, I'm a fan. I've had a couple other of their IPAs, and I was a big fan of both of them. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you remember the names of the other ones? Nope. All right, sweet. No, they were at the Goose, and it was like the week that uh, Melvin got distributed up here. So like, oh, we have an IPA and a, and a double or a hazy or something, and uh, they were all really good. They do... I don't, they might not have even had a hazy. I shouldn't say that. Gotcha. I remember having a single IPA from them, and it was just super crisp and refreshing, and like kind of everything you want in a in an IPA. So Got it. This is another one of those breweries that I'm super stoked that we're getting up here. All right. Well, I don't want to put this all on this brewery, but again, in 2015, Alpine only had a population of 750 people, uh, and as of uh, you know 2008. No, sorry. They lied. Sorry. As of 2010, the population was 828, so maybe it went down. I thought I had a really sarcastic fact. This I brewery don't. scared people off? Yeah, I guess that's the alternative. No, the brewery production facility moved to Alpine. Yeah. Wait, you're talking about Alpine? No, I'm talking about Alpine. Oh, yeah. okay. And they were just like, all right, we're out of here. No. I thought I was going to sarcastic, but now they're up to 828, but that was actually years before, so who knows what it actually is, guys. I don't even know what's happening right now. You live in Alpine, Wyoming. Tell us how many people live in your town so we can report properly on this. Yeah. We're going to have to go to Wyoming. Yeah. That'd be fun. No. No, it'd be great. We could go during the wintertime, maybe drink some hot chocolate and beers and watch, I assume, people ski there. I don't know. So we could do that. We could take up cross-country skiing. Oh, that isn't that the most taxing sport you can think of? Like you're just yeah. pushing yourself yeah. on it's little just tiny constant sleds. burn. It's basically being on like a Nordic track like for eight hours. Sure. That, that old oh, machine yes. from the 90s. That yes. <laughs> no one can see what you're doing, but I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, they heard, so they know. <laughs> that sound right. with the Nordic track. With you were the, just eating a Twizzler. That's yeah, all that's what the sound was. Uh, let's rate this beer, shall we? Let's you, rate the two by four from Melvin. Well, it's not a two. And it's, it's not a not four. A four. Is it an eight? Is it a six? If you flip them and uh, it, subtract, wait, flip them and subtract or no, add. Correct. Yeah, there'd sure. be no subtraction. You could, you know, you're right. If you multiply one by the other, just trying to two be by ready. four would be an eight, and then minus the two would be a six. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's so I mean, you can get I there. Yeah, obviously, sure. beautiful mind over here. So, what you think, dog? I think it's very good. Um, I'm gonna have a couple more sips to make sure, but I think it's it's certainly above a seven for me. Yep. I think it's below a ten. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere in that range, and I'm gonna try to pinpoint that. Are you any closer to finding a number than I am? Eight point one. Hmm. Why? Because it's an eight point one. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, I don't think I want to drink more of it than what we just had. Yeah, and again, to be clear on this, we're we're splitting a twelve ounce can. So that means we had six ounces each. I, I would have more of this. Mine's higher than an 8.1. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not crossing into the nines, I don't think. But I'm going to give this an 8.5. All right. Uh, again, like we said earlier, this is a beer you can find at Spike's Bottle Shop. Uh, maybe other, wear, other wares in town. Other wares. But it's also like 2 to $4. Solid um, beer, solid bang for the buck. Yeah. Yeah. Even just like outside of quality, alcohol-wise, solid bang fair. for the buck. Like, yeah. Very, very satisfying in many ways, including yeah. alcohol content. I think this is one of the across the board better um, 
pairing of like two IPAs that we've done. Yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't hurt at all that we're dealing with two beers that have won awards mm-hmm. uh, throughout time and, and then well, also have kind of cool backstories as far as breweries go. I mean, to be fair, we're kind of an award-winning podcast, so we should well, probably true. only drink beers that have won significant awards. Yeah, I mean, we've won the gold medal at the GAPF for uh, for years mm-hmm. in a row. 100%. At American least 10. I mean, podcast. I'm pretty sure we're the reigning champs podcast festival. for the yeah. last decade. Oh, for sure. Yeah. At least they just gave us like backlogs. We're like we only been yeah. around for two and a half years. And like, like if you just guys, keep it, if you guys would have been a podcast ten years ago, we know you would have won. So yeah, basically, just here's here's all the here's awards, the trophies. here's the trophies, here's the keys to our brewery, and we're like, are they real gold? And they're like, no, it's like plastic. And then we so threw it on the ground. In. Yeah, we don't yeah. care. We're not about it. We don't care about accolades, guys. You know, I'm not in this for the money, no, or the fame, although it is abundant, or the drugs or the women. Yeah, you know, I you mean. Know? All of those things were up to our ears in, but sure. that's not why we do this. No. We do this for you. Yes, and for each other, I suppose. Mainly for each other. Mostly. Much less for Get out you. of here. We don't need you. It's <laughs> <That's> fair. <laughs> I really don't do this for anyone else but me. It's just convenient that you all like it. So, two by four, double IPA from Melvin Brewing. Uh, 8.1 for you. 8.5 for me. Yeah. What do you say we jump back into mid-90s? Yep, we're done with beer. Yeah. At least until I open another one. Correct. Uh, I've still not seen it. Yeah. Not, haven't seen it between now and the last segment. So mm-hmm. what else do you want to talk about that might be spoilery? <sighs> Spoilery-wise, um, you know, I think it mainly the things I enjoyed about this movie. Uh, I don't want to talk really spoilery because it wasn't really a movie that like a spoiler would ruin it. I think if you get the general idea of this movie – that's enough. There's really no pivotal plot moment that like everything changes. Right. I mean, the end was kind of that, but it's not something that you it would change anything if you didn't see it. Okay. Like it just, it pushed the story and their friendship just a little bit further, but it, it. it's not the end of the world. But I don't know if I want to spoil it because you haven't seen it. Well, you made me spoil A Star is Born yeah. and you hadn't seen it. So, so if there's anything that you think our listeners would benefit from knowing- even if they haven't seen it, I'd love for you to share it. If not, I'm totally okay with not doing that. Yeah. So some of the stuff that I really enjoyed about this movie was his relationship with his brother. Um, there was a very pivotal scene. Um, it all kind of builds with fuck shit and Ray kind right. of taking separate life paths. Yeah. Can you talk more about those characters? Yeah. So fuck shit is like the guy that works well, again. Sorry. Is a character. Yeah. Name. That's He's a dude. Just saying that's that. his name. And at one point, sunburn who is Stevie is like, why does everybody call him fuck shit? Cause every time he does a cool trick and he lands it, he's like, Oh fuck shit. That was awesome. And like, that's, that's his catchphrase. Right. So fuck shit and Ray are like the two oldest members of this group. And they are leading, Parallel yet very dissimilar uh, lives. Fuck shit has kind of given up on high school and grades and has resigned himself to party his way through life and just like live and be in the moment. Very kind of your stereotypical skater philosophy in like high school and college. Uh, And Ray has his eyes set on going pro. He wants to be a professional skateboarder, go on tour. He doesn't drink as much. Is he good at skateboarding? He's like the best skateboarder. It's okay. Good. Yeah. Like there wasn't a huge emphasis on actual like skateboarding. Like it was in the movie, but it was definitely not like the forefront. It was way more character driven. But in terms of just technical ability, Ray was like head and shoulders, the best skateboarder. And he has the, like a really good shot at going pro. There's dudes that are hanging out at some of the skate spots that they hit that are um, like pros that have been sponsored and go on tour and stuff. So um, 
within their group, that's kind of the main conflict is these two kind of converging lifestyles, if you will, because Ray is way more about skating, refining his craft, being really good at it. And for fuck shit, it's way more of like the hobby that you do while you drink 40s and like take pills and smoke weed. It was really weird watching Stevie, like a 12, 13 year old kid, like try weed for the first time and drink 40s. I don't want to, you can stop me if this is um, not something you want to talk about, but you mentioned there being like a kind of an awkward sexual experience. Yeah. Yeah. Between Stevie and somebody. Yeah. They were at a party and uh, Stevie and this girl like hook up. They go into this room and hook up. How old is this girl? This girl was maybe like 14. Nobody's an adult. No, like 14, 15 tops. And Stevie's like 12, 13. Right. So like, obviously they're both minors, but it was like, it didn't get like graphic, graphic, but like they stripped down to their underwear and they're making out. And it was very like. It was super awkward because right. Stevie was super nervous. Like he'd probably never kissed a girl, and it was, uh, it was weird because they were both very young. What was the vibe of the scene? Like, were they going for like a sort of like a like an innocent romance, or was it like sort of predatory? And it um, was definitely not predatory because uh, the the older girl was definitely instigating. You know, she's the kind of the one that took him, took his hand and took yeah, him to the I mean, room. That could still be like, that could still be an older girl, like preying on a younger yeah. kid, right? Like they were within like a couple years age. It didn't seem rapey or weird. It was definitely more, um, not romantic, but like awkwardly intimate. Okay. Like, um, the, the score dropped really quiet and it was a lot of those like whispers, like, are you, are you nervous? Right. Yes. <laughs> I don't need to hear you say that. <laughs> I pictured it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But short. it was a lot of that, like the whispery, just kind of capturing that awkward first encounter. But it was definitely um, interesting to take in. It yeah. was just like, I don't know how to feel about this, so I'm just going to kind of observe as like neutrally as possible. Like, Have you seen Perks of Being a Wallflower? Oh, not in years. So, I don't really remember a lot specifically about it. Well, so there's a scene in there where it's like a pretty formative sexual experience for the main character. Um, and he deals, he has to deal with, um, I guess without spoiling too much from that movie, um, sort of his past mm. in relation to what he's dealing with currently. Um, and it wasn't predatory in the moment, but it was him dealing with all that that mm. became sort of traumatic. Okay. Um, so I'm, I guess I'm wondering if the, uh, payoff sounds not right in this moment. <laughs> like, um, but the, like the, the consequences of that, that encounter, if there were any negative or positive, like, um, how did it affect the character in the long run? If it did the character um, being Stevie mainly just more braggadociously. Oh, okay. A lot of, uh, Oh man, that happened. Right. And, you know, okay. They, they referred to that night as the, uh, the fingering. Oh, so I don't love that. Yeah. But okay. Sure. I understand little, what little, happened. Okay. Yeah. Uh, other than that, the whole encounter, other than being, um, his first encounters, it was relatively inconsequential to the whole plot. Okay. But it was one of those things they should, they probably put in because it is a part of being that age and like being at a party and like making out with a chick for the first time, you know? Yeah. Huh. Okay. It was an interesting take. It was definitely probably the biggest risk in the movie. I feel like it kind of comes back around to that idea that we were talking about of like masculinity and like what it means like to be able to come back to your group of misfits and be like, yeah, I hooked up with this girl. Yeah, dog. Like, let me tell you all the details. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was funny. They definitely had the girls doing the same thing. Sure. Which so is, it, yeah. it was a nice representation. It wasn't like, oh, he took advantage right, of her or, right, right. or vice versa. It was both groups were very like, oh, what happened? 
Did you feel like the movie took a stance on it one way or the other, like as far as it being positive or negative no. or just, just commentating on Definitely it? Definitely kind of- didn't take a stance. All right. So like, like I said, relatively inconsequential. It was a kind of a risk just because of the age factor. Right. But other than that, it was definitely not, um, it wasn't weird. You know, they didn't make right. it weird or sure. they didn't take an angle with it. Uh, the only angle that they took really was um, she, the gal in the situation, commented that, you know, he was at that age, like before dudes become dicks, basically. That was her quote. Yeah. 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 And um, later in the movie, like he sees her at like a party or something and he kind of just walks by her. Oh. So, I mean, that could be like, I mean, it was brief, but it was there that like, oh, he's kind of in this culture of like used and done turn and burn you know uh because that's kind of what he's seeing around him but it was never a point of emphasis in the plot for sure i guess the other thing i'm curious about is is how his relationship with his brother played by lucas hedges kind of turned out if if there was a resolution it was at the very end that we saw any progress in that sort of uh skateboarding montage no um there was a, a very pivotal thing that happened at the end of the movie give it um so I, like I was kind of building to that with the relationship between Ray and fuck shit. Um, they're at this big party and um, it was in the back of the skate shop. And that was where, where Steven saw that girl and kind of just walked by her. And I thought you're calling him Steven. Is it Steven? It, it was Stevie, Stevie? but like, it's probably Steven. Like, you know, oh, okay. Stevie, Stevie, whatever. Stevie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're at this party and, um, uh, Fuck shit actually gets super drunk and is like being really inappropriately annoying while Ray's trying to talk to these two guys that are sponsored skateboarders. Oh, gotcha. He's like, Excuse me, burping. Yep. Ugh, trying to put in work. Um like for his future and yeah, and yeah. It, make connections. Ray actually has to be like, Hey man, you should go kick it somewhere else for a while. Right. Because he's just too drunk. And it's just the two of them at this place? No, it's very crowded. Okay. It's like a party atmosphere. Um but I mean, in terms of the, all their friends, like yeah, just the two of them, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, great. It was just those two skaters and Ray talking. Uh, at a part, I want to back it up to the party where Steve E, mm-hmm. not Steven, sure. had his his uh, encounter with this gal. Okay. Um, after that party, he goes home with his little 12, 13 year old self, just hammered. Stevie's Cause, hammered. Yeah, because okay. he's been smoking weed and like drank a 40. I saw him like hitting a bottle of whiskey at some point. Like he's just experiencing a whole new level of fucked up that right. he's never been. Okay. And he goes home and <laughs> this scene is fantastic. Uh, there's this little patio area outside of his house where he practices skateboarding. It's just this flat slab of concrete um, that backs up to a sliding glass door, which leads to his living room. So the camera's facing out of his living room. And you see him just like throw a skateboard on the ground all drunk and he just whips his dick out. It's Whoa. like his back is to you. Okay. But he just starts peeing in a plant outside. Sure. Like this little 12 year old's drunk and it's funny because he, he made it home. It can be funny now, right? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I have my own thoughts, but if it's played as funny, I haven't seen it's it. It's yeah, played sure. as uh, not so serious. Okay. You know, um, but he stumbles his way inside and like accidentally slams the sliding door on his penis nope okay just his he's shaking his wiener off and put it away he's fully completed uh there's no more peeing got it (laughs) but he slams the door and uh, his brother comes out and he's like what are you doing and he's obviously hammered he's like "Mm, don't worry about it he's like dude you're fucking up is his brother yelling at him like we're really screwing up your life 
then he looks at his brother all drunk. He's like, you're just a lonely faggot with no friends. Wow. You're just sad and alone. He said that to his brother? Yeah. Ian? And his brother flips. For sure. And he runs away. And there's this scene where they're running in circles around their kitchen. And he's like trying to get away. And this is the first time his brother actually gets on top of him and punches him with a closed fist like right. really hard. Uh, gets like three shots in and then breaks down and starts crying. Ian does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just his brother. Yeah. Pulls his shirt over his head and just starts crying. Over his own head? Yep. Okay. And he's just like in a ball on the kitchen floor. And then the little brother goes in to his room and wraps a Super Nintendo cord around his neck and like his own neck? Yeah. Okay. And is like trying to strangle himself, but like not hanging off anything. He's actually like got it in his hands wrapped mm -hmm. around a couple times, just like kind of like self flagellating almost. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's not gonna work to kill himself, but um definitely like lashing out at himself. And it was just this powerful scene where they were both super torn up about like what had just happened, but in their own different weird right. ways. And it was the first time he really, really went off on Ian about being like really kind of, he doesn't have any friends really. So it was, uh, it was a really powerful scene. This is, this is where in the movie, this was after like, they went to like two or three parties. This was like the middle one. Timeline so wise. Mid movie. Okay. Mid to mid to beginning of the third act. Uh, fast forward to this party at the back of the skate shop uh, where fuck shit is just too fucked up. He's fucking shit. <laughs> it's just silly. Yeah. Um, so after this party, um, there's a, a big fist fight that happens between Stevie and his initial, the guy that I said was his initial like guide into this group. Yeah. It was like a kid that was roughly his age. Sure. Little kid named Ruben who's from an abused home, whatever. He kind of, got feelings because everyone liked Stevie like right away. Mm -hmm. And he obviously got jealous because they're like the closest in age. So there was a conflict there and they eventually hash it out with their fists. And it turns out that Stevie just got on top of him and beat the shit out of him. Oh, And he's way littler, but like Stevie's got that anger. You can tell. Well, yeah. And he's dealt with getting beat up his whole life. Yeah. He's like, this is nothing new. Um, so after that, they're all kind of just hanging out behind the skate shop and just morose the mood's very very gloomy and fuck shit's like we're going to a party those chicks that we hung out last week their parents are gone we're gonna go get fucked up and he's already fucked up and he wants to drive them oh um fast forward really some nifty editing in this fuck shit's kind of just like nodding off while they're right. all yelling at each other about whether they should even go to a party um, and then there's this quick flash where one of the kids in the back seat, cause it's like five of them in the vehicle now, um, quick flash. And it's, uh, what's his name? Fourth grade is like, will you just pull over real bam? And then they pull over. And then next scene, just bam, the vehicle's on its side. Oh, like no. There was a quick flash of light, but the vehicle's on its side, broken glass everywhere. Everyone's screaming and yelling and Stevie's just unconscious bleeding like, uh, he ends up like shattering his arm and he's in the hospital. Uh, and the, the, the movie kind of culminates in the hospital uh, and Stevie's come to, and he comes to, and the only person in the room is his brother mm. and his brother. You can tell he's been there all night. He's the only person in the room who's stayed with him and his brother's drink of choice throughout this movie is orange juice. They make it kind of obvious for weird reasons that like just, he just straight up. Orange he juice? just loves orange juice. Oh, okay. Um, and he's sitting there waiting for his brother to wake up, and he's got two tiny bottles of orange juice. And he, I think he asks him if he's okay. 
Um, but he just shakes up the orange juice and like hands it to him. And they just have this like quiet moment. And there was so much wrapped into that moment that it was like, you don't really need dialogue to get that feeling. Uh, it was really powerful. And uh, they shared their orange juice and it pans out to the lobby and the, all the kids in the skate group had really had a run in with their, uh, with Stevie's mom uh, earlier in the film because I think it was a, he came home drunk something like that. Like right. an obvious, like she dragged him by the ear into the skate shop and was like, don't give my kid alcohol. Don't ever come around him again. There was this big blowout scene. Um, so there's really some bad blood there and you pan out to the, the lobby and it's all of his friends just sleeping like on the floor, all laid uh, out on chairs and they've been there all night. Right. And they're just there. And it was really powerful because his mom sits down next to Ray and kind of grabs him by the shoulder and wakes him up. And like, she's like welling up because she, she knows like they're probably not the best influence, but like they're here. Yeah. Support. They obviously care about him. Um, and like the pivotal moment in that scene is his, his mom's like, do you want to go see him? And so she like basically gives him approval as his friends and they go in and they're all rabble rousing and like showing him, she, Stevie's showing off pictures of his arm, like before they right, put it in a right. cast. And, um, that's when fourth grade plugs in his video camera to the TV and that montage that ends the film plays. Oh, gotcha. And then it just kind of ends. Interesting. And it really, it does. It's just like the video ends and just, poof, right, and that's it. the movie's done. Huh. But like, that's as far as they wanted to take that story. Yeah, that's great, man. I like that a lot. I really like the hospital scene because uh, the gal that played his mom, Catherine Waterson, she's really a great actress. She's like, she's fantastic. She was in very little of this movie. She was in maybe four scenes, uh, but huh. she had a, a great presence. And I really, really enjoyed her performance in this movie. Um, overall, I really liked the way it was written and the way that it ended. And it was it was had kind of a grace to it where it didn't need to over explain. It was just things how they were, and it worked for me. I really liked it. Great. Is there anything else you want to talk about in this movie? I think that's it. I think there's nothing else. I think I took it to the end. Okay. Well, we've been talking about mid-90s, a film written and directed by Jonah Hill. If you get a chance to see it, uh, let me know. Uh, I'm Max Minardi. That's Johnny Summers. I, uh, I'm i going to see it in the next week or two. I'm going to give some feedback on this show. If you want to reach out to us with those thoughts, you can find us at Fresh Hop Cinema on uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You can support our show for as little as $1 per episode on patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. And until next week, when we come to you with a brand new episode, uh, we will, uh, we will do something before we leave. I can't (laughs) leave without reminding you again about our big party. Yes. November 17th, come out to secret trail brewing company at noon. We're releasing the beer that we collaborated with them. Sorry. Hundredth episode party. I've never had a beer that I've named before. That's pretty cool. Very excited. Yeah. Yeah, so again, November 17th, noon, at Secret Trail here in Chico, 132 Myers Street. Come celebrate with us. We, uh, we'll drink a beer with you. It'd be a real real pleasure, a real treat. Yep. So until next week, that's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. Together we're Fresh Hop Cinema, and we will see you next week. This... It's Fresh Hot Cinema.